this week we're doing a bit of a recap week. So it's been 12 weeks since we the last one. Um, we've covered many topics uh, since since that last recap. And we want to discuss some of the skills that consistently crop up um, when we're discussing the key concepts that we can use in order to sort of develop our mental skills and our performance and well-being. So as usual, I'm joined by Brad, Louis and Vicky. All right, guys. All right. Cheers. One of the skills which is referenced a lot and we actually did a workshop on it with with the players is goal setting. So when I speak about goal setting, some of the sort of topics we've covered surrounding that uh, sort of, you know, dealing with transitions, um, decision making, leadership, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, even when it comes to stuff like preparation as well, uh, I feel like, feel like goal setting still fits in there. Um, so for you guys, is there, you know, as we're getting into this podcast and we talk about goal setting, you know, how does goal setting relate perhaps to our decision making? Well, firstly, I'll, I'll jump in. Firstly, I, I know our players have probably heard about us banging on about um, goal setting consistently for probably the past six months. Uh, so apologies to any of you for just trying to drill it in. And for anyone uh, who's not one of our players, uh, goal setting's pretty big for us, so this this should be a, a good answer, uh, but we'll see. Uh, first of all, goal setting is a decision in itself, I would say, to be able to set that. So in order to set goals, you need to decide what it is that you're trying to work on. Uh, and then there's going to be various points throughout your goal setting journey where different decisions are going to have to be made, sometimes difficult ones, if you want to be able to stay on track for your goal. Um, I'm talking about maybe more long term. If you want to, say, win the league, maybe there's going to be some difficult decisions you're going to have to make at weekends to say, well, I'm not I'm not going to go out with my friends this week. I'm, I'm going to focus on my football and my nutrition. Um, and yes, in, in other contexts at school, maybe it's, uh, I know I need to study tonight instead of uh, going on my PS4 or something like that. Just basic example. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's... Hopefully that's up your street, Tony. Is that you're going for the type, yeah, type thing? Exactly. Probably spin on that one, you know. So that's good. That's exactly what I was thinking of, to be honest, you mate. Um, I think <laughs> another one when it comes to decision making, again, it sort of aligns with some of the stuff of goal setting that we try and implement, which is that whole like process stuff. Um, so you know, when you have your short term process goals, as you said, like you have made a decision there, and it is usually because it's tailored towards that more ultimate long-term goals so yeah i like i like how you've uh, got your point across there it was good um another one then and i think we spoke about it really well last week which was sort of using goal setting in relation to developing those leadership traits that we speak about and again i think this is going to touch upon um so, so this is going to touch upon sort of the process goals again um so as you can already tell the theme of this podcast goal setting is definitely a big part of this program um so does anyone want to jump in um as maybe a bit of a refresher from last week's um podcast where we sort of spoke about leadership traits and how you can perhaps use goal setting in order to develop those traits yeah i'll go on that one so i think if you're like brad said if you've if you've got like you can use goal setting in a number of different ways and if, if you're looking to de- to develop leadership traits then you can set goals around that so you might have a, a maybe like a 
I don't know, like a long-term goal or a performance goal that you maybe want to be the captain of the team. And then you can set up short-term goals that can, or process goals that you can help you get there. So, I don't know, for example, you could have a weekly goal that you're going to communicate effectively with your teammates. And how are you going to do that? You're going to get across good information in the pitch. You're going to be helpful. Um, different things like that. So you can set yourself those goals within the short term, within the week, that can help you like, be a better communicator and, and, and a better teammate and someone who can lead effectively in the future. And the, the example I use of being a captain, that's probably maybe not um, like the most ideal example, but if, if I think a better goal is just to be a more effective leader or someone who's able to influence their teammates um, effectively. So that's that's how I see goal setting and leadership, how they would match up. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, what I'll do, just so we don't end up making another goal setting task, I'll jump onto another skill which we've referenced a lot. Um, and it's actually sort of two skills that I'm going to mention here because I think they come sort of hand in hand a little bit. But we're thinking about like, the growth mindset and also reframing. Um, so I think if you listen back to our positivity podcast that we did, we have a real good discussion for, I think it's around sort of 10 minutes around growth versus fixed mindset, which is really brilliant. Um, I think Brad sort of championed that discussion a little bit. So I love it. Uh, I love it. yeah, he's a big, big fan. Um, and yeah, it, come, it comes in again to sort of keeping calm. Um, it also sort of relates to, again, goal setting, transitions, um, Again, it touches upon sort of decision making as well. Um, but what I'll do first of all, then, since I've almost mentioned it already, how can we sort of use the growth mindset or reframing in relation to positivity? I think one, I'm going to preface this by saying I find it very hard. Like, you know, we had like the topics each week, and it's very hard to like stay in isolation and focus on just the one topic because there's so much overlap between them and that's why all these skills keep cropping up um but i think positivity was a big one for like the growth mindset and and reframing especially that it's um sort of when you're in a situation that's like really negative there's usually always something you can learn from that and you can take from that and that's how you can get like a more positive outlook on the situation like it's still something bad has happened but when you then reflect back on it how can you take that and then learn from it yeah i think to add to that as well it's like something's something happens you've got two choices like do you like embrace it or like let it get the better of you that's sort of the way i, I look at it so like embracing it being sort of positive um growth side of it and you know ignoring it and avoiding it being that sort of fixed probably negative way to do it so i think it's just you know the way that you make a decision and i've accidentally just tied it into decision making there as well (laughs) one thing i'd add in that as well is i think there's a tendency for people say something negative happens and you've got that mindset where you want to improve you might focus on the negatives at first, like maybe where you're efficient in an area or you're maybe not doing so well. But I think having that growth mindset is making the conscious decision that you're going to try and focus on the positives 
and try and try and develop that way. Um, that's that's how I'd see it. Yeah, that's great. And I think um, when I think about almost reframing as well, um, and again, the reason why I say it overlaps with growth mindset is that you'll notice when I speak here about reframing, I think it really does touch upon it. Um, but it it relates to positivity and also relates to almost dealing with injuries as well. Um, because when you get a setback such as injury, which I guess can also be viewed as a transition, so you're transitioning into sort of coping with a long-term injury, so having to step away from perhaps competing on the football pitch and training, um, using that reframe to sort of look at the situation and say, okay, I'm injured, which is really rubbish and, and it's not the ideal situation, but what can I take what can I take away from this? What can I, you know, reframe the situation and say, okay, I'm injured, but this means I've got more time to spend um, developing other attributes of my characteristics. So I can perhaps work on strength training while I'm also working on, you know, coming back from this injury that I've, I've managed, you know, managed to sort of give myself. Um, I can also work on, you know, my leadership skills. I can work on my communi communication skills. All these other points that are really important, they really make up an athlete. So even though you're not out there and you're perhaps not benefiting from being able to compete as physically, you can still make yourself a presence, um, you know, within the team and you can still develop yourself as an athlete. Um, just perhaps, you know, not on the pitch as much, um, but you can do off the pitch stuff as well. Um, and again, you know, it's that sort of growth mindset. Again, it's, you know, dealing with a situation. How do I deal with that? How can I make sure that I'm still developing as a person, even though I've had this setback? And, you know, it's not letting this one moment sort of define you. It's making sure you're moving forward past it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go on next. Can I just add one yeah. more thing? Yeah, go for it. When we were talking about positivity and like the reframing, I feel like it's important to add we don't mean you just have to feel positive all the time. Like it's still OK to like actually feel sad or like annoyed about stuff that happens to you. But then like learning how to accept and manage those negative emotions and then using that to turn it into a positive sort of thing. Yeah, that's great. Really important point as well. You brought up there. Um, next one then uh, is because Brad touched upon it, is that sort of um, decision making and preparation sort of type stuff that we're looking at here. Um, so when we're thinking about getting into flow states, um, keeping calm even. Again, of course, decision making that we've got here, which, you know, we actually did as its own topic, even though it is a skill. Um, why do we, you know, why do we consistently reference this and why is it so important? Is that decision making or? Uh, sorry, preparation. Just because okay. it's link linked to decision making. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, when I think about preparation as sort of most basic level, I'm thinking about We've spoken about it before, preparing for a light competition. So preparing physically, uh, preparing your bag, your food you might need, hydration, um, all that sort of stuff, which kind of goes back to the back to basic stuff that we did as well, with making sure you get the right sleep, you're eating the right stuff, you're hydrated enough, you're not exhausted from additional exercises as well and then you go into more detail from probably a sports like perspective you're thinking about mental preparation um and that's got to be i suppose a decision that you need to make to incorporate into your game if you want to try and take it to the next level types of 
you know, mental skills and preparation that I'm thinking of off the top of my head is probably imagery. That's one that's probably really useful for any young football player. I know that before I've got a game, I often think about the game and how it's going to pan out. You maybe see yourself in positions that you're likely to find yourself in in a match and see yourself performing that skill or technique um, effectively. And when you're visualising that, you should incorporate all the senses into that as well. You know, where whereabouts in the pitch are you? What's around you? The sort of feel of the ball, the feel of your boots, what's the weather like? What sounds are you hearing, etc.? And I think doing that before bed's a good time to do it. Um, and also, if you get a chance, maybe if you're on the Carter game, you're getting a lift and you've got some music on or something like that. Um, I think that's a really effective form of mental preparation. I hope that's sort of, I didn't tie it too well to decision making, but I'm sure someone else can bail me out on that. No, that's great. And this is this is the important part of this podcast that we're doing this week, is it is just discussing these skills in relation to the different topics we've covered. So the fact you've gone away from decision making there is absolutely fine. Um, you know, for me as well, I'm sort of linking that to, and you've said it there, you know, your mental preparation. So um, getting ready, like for, for getting yourself into flow states, you know, it's a big part of that is understanding what you like to do. So I, I think I've tried, I've mentioned it before, but it's when you're going to training sessions, actually look at the way that you prepare going into that session and what it is that you might have done, which really made you like thrive in that training session. You know, you come away from a training session, you think, wow, I was just on fire there like I felt like I was really on it you feel like you've got yourself into the zone and it's like okay look back what did you do when you're preparing there how did you get yourself ready how did you get yourself in the moment rather than think about all the stuff that might be going on outside of life or you know were you busy chatting with your teammates rather than actually focusing on getting your you know your boots on getting your kit on nice and early so you're out there ready for the warm-up beforehand um additionally because brad mentioned it there as well and i, and I think it's a big part of of my game so I, I reference it a lot um but it's using music as well so it is that sort of like perhaps you prepare yourself by setting up a um a playlist you know so that you can listen to it on the way to training sessions or on the way to competition so that you're again before the match you're preparing not only your physical stuff such as kit boots um etc you're actually also preparing you know a music playlist so you can sit there as well in the change room and start getting yourself in the zone when you're starting to use um, imagery which we'll touch upon in a minute you're using the music as well to help really boost that positive um, positive sort of mindset that you're trying to go into into a game because no one wants to go in thinking negatively um, so well can I say one thing as well and that Tony in terms of preparation think the the more prepared you are so say you, you prepare the night before a game, the less the less demands you're putting on yourself the next day. So that means that you can be more relaxed. You can get into a zone where you where you're going to play well. And you mentioned there about getting into flow and then your decision making as well. So if you look at it, if you flip it the other way, if you wake up and you're not prepared um like physically in terms of getting your stuff ready or mentally, say you've not gone through your the usual mental skills that you do, for example, imagery, and you, you're all over the place, then in my, in my eyes, you're, gonna not, you're not going to make good decisions on the pitch, and you're less likely to get into that sort of flow state where you forget about everything else that's going on outside. 
So I think I think just having that having that preparation and getting things done early can really reduce the demands that you place on yourself before a game. Yeah, I think in general, when I think about like preparation and decision making, I always think about habits and like routines because we make so many or we have to make so many decisions every day. Um, Like at some point you're just exhausted. Like if you just know, like at the end of the day when you have to think about, oh, my God, what am I going to make for dinner today? Like it's really stressful. So if you have like those little routines and habits, um, even just like planning like your meals out at the beginning of the week. Um, having like a pre-meal, a pre-match like meal that you usually have um, that can really help you then like actually conserve your mental energy for when you need to make important decisions. Yeah, brilliant. Um, next one then, uh, just as we're sort of going through the skills, I've got a little list down here. Um, and we just touched upon it there is using imagery. Um, so I think Imagery is one of those ones that is, can be really powerful when it's used um, correctly. Uh, and it's also making sure that you understand that imagery isn't just being like, oh, close my eyes and unpitch myself, scoring the winner. Um, there's a lot more to imagery than just that. Uh, as we spoke about there, you can use it in, in regards to positivity. Um, you can use it in regards to getting yourself into flow states. Um, so, yeah, before I sort of cover all of them, before I give you guys a chance, um, Imagery for you, um, what sort of topic do you think it fits into nicely as as one for us just to like ease into imagery a bit before we get into the really unpick it? I'd go for confidence. If I was to pick one, there was another I was looking at, but I'll maybe I'll allow someone else to pick that. Um, basically, if you can visualize yourself in this situation, Let's say you're in the middle of the park if it's receiving the ball in a certain position, for example. If you can successfully visualise yourself doing that and remember the feeling that you get from going through that MJ process, when you're faced with that situation again in the match, you will feel more confident that you'll be able to pull it off successfully. I think it's the best way of sort of getting that across, but... I also feel like even in the moment, imagery can make you feel confident. Um, I'm, I was thinking back, I know goal setting is not a topic, but you can even visualise yourself. I've, I've heard about stories of athletes doing this, visualising themselves like in like a winning position or, or like top of a podium or like lifting a trophy. And sometimes that can really just give them the sort of boost that they need and the confidence that they need to go and achieve whether it's short-term, medium-term or long-term goals, it's a bit of an extreme example. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd really say that imagery should be a process that generates confidence. And if it doesn't, then I wouldn't say you're not doing it correctly. But I don't know. I don't know what you think. I just feel like that's how it should make you feel. Yeah. I think with imagery, the thing that you're looking to do, which will make it, the most useful and effective for you is try and incorporate all the senses as well into it. So you're looking to make it as as realistic as possible. So that what would things feel like? What would what would the environment look like? What would the what would it feel like scoring a goal, for example? Um, so like 
visualizing those positive moments. But one other thing that you can do with imagery is is visualize how you'll react to uh, any setbacks within a game because I think that's something that's overlooked when people are are using visualization. They they will visualize the themselves just playing well throughout the whole game, and that's that is unrealistic because you're not going to play well every single game. So I think another good thing to do is is try and visualize yourself reacting, reacting positively to any mistakes that you make without going overboard and making mistakes through throughout the whole imagery process, but trying to make it as realistic as possible. Yeah, fantastic. Has anyone else got anything just before I jump in? Um, I just want to say I find imagery really interesting because um, for me, I don't get like clear pictures in my mind. So like I can see like the benefits of imagery, but I think as any skill, you need to like practice it. But then I know that some people don't have like clear pictures in their mind. So for them, it might be better to use something like positive self-talk. So it's still like uh, do what works for you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the last thing I'm going to touch on just there because we spoke about confidence, but I'm obviously going to talk about imagery in relation to flow states as well. Yes, I wasn't sure uh, if anyone was going to go for it. Yeah, glad, yeah. Glad, glad to hear. Yeah, I just went so, for the safe options. So there's a, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think imagery is brilliant for your flow states. Um, and it's also interesting that Vicky spoke about self-talk there because I really like to work on people using imagery as a way of actually rather than you know, turn around to your head and being like, don't think negatively, because as soon as you say don't do something naturally, you you know, it's like that classic, don't press the red button. Well, now all I want to do is press the red button, you know. Um, don't so, think about pink elephant. I think it's another classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just it. So a lot of the stuff we try and do is um, in, in the sports psychology world is just, you know, rather than using the word don't, it's actually giving ourselves skills that just distract our minds from actually thinking about these negative thoughts. So when I use imagery, uh, I think I mentioned it before and Louis mentioned it there when you're thinking about the different sort of senses as well. So it's that, um, say before, I think we use a penalty kick or a free free kick as one. So it's that thinking about, you know, before you're going through the movement, it's thinking about all the things that have to come into place in order for you to make that, you know, in order for you to make that sort of um, technical ability come, come come to fruition so when you're kicking a ball it's more than just stepping up and kicking it you're thinking okay how many steps up do I need to take uh, what's the wind feel like is it you know is there breeze coming from left to right is it coming from behind me or am I kicking into the wind so you're straight away you're getting that sense so you're thinking about the weather and then you're thinking about okay um you know what's the ground like is it muddy is it hard um this will again make that will make small differences to your run-up you're thinking about okay where do i need to impact the ball based off what kick i'm going to do um and then also you can think about getting your breaths in so deeping breathing in nice and deeply to really settle and calm down your nerves and just slow down that thought processing and instantly then through having all these sort of different focuses in the mind you're no longer your mind has been so overwhelmed by all these other sort of sensations that you're not thinking about don't miss it you think about all the other small little mechanisms that need to come into place in order for you to successfully complete this skill uh, i think that's where you know imagery can then overlap into self-talk but also you know you're still using imagery in relation to finding that flow state um yeah so before i just jump on to 
sort of self-talk there I've, I've already mentioned it a little bit there but does anyone have anything else they just want to mention in relation to Madrid at all um I think obviously you're jumping on self-talk which we talked about but in there you're probably we're using breathing techniques and we speak about a lot of breathing techniques in another subject that we've probably not touched upon yet and one that we've neglected for weeks which is mindfulness so um I'll just remind you of that. And then when you ask a mindfulness question, ask Louie or Vicky because they meditate like every morning. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vicky, Vicky's your choice there. Yeah. What's your street, Vicky? 300 days in a row? <laughs> no, not quite. I think I'm at like 270 at the moment. So yeah, I'm just slowly getting there. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, before we jump onto that, then give them a little bit of time to think um, <laughs> before we just pounce on them with like, tell us all about mindfulness. Uh, no, first of all, you know, self-talk, and obviously I've said it's related to imagery, but you know, how can we use self-talk? Um, perhaps let's let's link this one again to sort of uh, finding that flow state and controlling our thought processing. Yeah, so self-talk, it can be couple of, there can be a couple of different things that you can do so it can be instructional or it can be motivational so i see instructional as a kind of way of organizing your mind about what you want to do in a game um so for example it's along the lines of i'm going to protect the ball today that sort of thing i'm going to run into space so that's like sort of covering the physical movements that you do motivational is more yeah yeah that's related to like positivity so like stuff like i can do this today like trying to g yourself up um but in terms of a in terms of a flow state um if if i'm trying to get into a flow state i would go more for the instructional self-talk um yeah. because you're, you're sort of organizing your mind you're focusing on a few things in that game and you're, you're, I see that as freeing up your mind to to be creative um, in other aspects. So you're focusing on the, the important things within a game, just maybe like one or two important things that you want to do. Um, and then you out with that, you can be creative and you can get into that full state. I don't know if that make, made sense, but... Um, no, you just got me thinking there. Like, so I was... So with flow... A lot, of pe- a lot of things that people say about when they're in a state of flow is that their perception of time and like even what they're doing just completely goes out the window. So I suppose my counter to that is, well, I suppose if you're saying you're using instructional self-talk to get into a state of flow, I'm probably saying when you're in that state of flow, there's probably not much going on. Yeah. Do, do you know what so, I mean? Uh, so probably to clarify, I'd say, I'd say if you're using self-talk before the game, so if you use that instructional self-talk before the game, yeah. so you've got two or three important things that you're going yeah. to do today, and maybe you go over them in the warm-up. Yeah. Um, and then once you're in the, well, for me as well, but I don't like using self-talk within a game because it does, I think, distract you if, if you keep going over what your, what yeah. your self-talk is. So maybe using it before the game, and then you've got those important things that you're going to focus on, and that helps you to get into the, like yeah. that like that habit of focusing on the important things within the game. You do those well, and then you're more likely to get into that flow state where 
Yeah, you're sad. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So like, your your mind and body is like primed to to go into that state already. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, I I would probably argue. You know, I'll, I'll go self talk. Of course, I'll I'll go to confidence first. But I think flow is impossible without com- like confidence. I think we've seen that there's a lot of like variables that need to happen, or you need to have X amount of this to reach flow state. I think confidence is one of them. So I'd say that's step one before flow states is step 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 two. So you maybe go self talk, confidence, then you've got a better chance of getting into flow state is is the way I'll go. But yeah, well said Louis, because uh yeah, I don't know if I'd have got that to be fair. <laughs> I'm going to slightly as well switch up a bit here and and talk about um, using self-talk in relation to positivity um, and and keeping calm as well. Um, A lot of the stuff we sort of try and speak about is controlling the controllables. Um, So for me, if you've made a mistake in sport, you know, on the pitch, for instance, a lot of the people listening to this will be footballers. So if you've made a mistake on the pitch, then it's actually using almost motivational self-talk, probably mixed in with a bit of instructional as well. Um, but based off that, like, come on, you're, you know, you're, you know that you're better than this or, you know, come on, how are we going to bounce back from this um, rather than focusing on the negative that's happening, getting fixated in that, like, oh, I can't believe I just did this or like, I'm, that's so embarrassing. It's actually being like, right, OK. And again, with that almost a bit growth mindset and maybe a little bit of reframing, you can kind of turn around and say, right, I've messed up. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to bounce back? What do I need to do next? And then obviously alongside using the motivational self-talk you then just you know chuck in a little bit of instructional so you sort of say okay get back in, into position you know um meant if you're perhaps playing as a defender you say okay i've got to maintain the high line um and yeah it's really sort of using a blend of both there i think can be really effective yeah yeah i, th- I think the simplest connection to positivity and self-talk is that your self-talk should always be positive should always be positive self-talk as opposed to negative um, because I think again, that's going to give you a better chance of being successful. If you're beating yourself up, then you're going to latch on to those negative thoughts throughout the rest of the game, and you're going to be unable to let go of some of those thoughts. Um, and that's going to take your mind away from the the task at hand, essentially. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so the sort of saving the best till last, then. And it's one that Brad's already brought up, but we'll we'll let um, either Louie or Vicky lead on this. Um, we talk about mindfulness and we actually have um, our Mindful Mondays um, posts that we put up every week where we give them a different sort of um, skill that they can develop surrounding mindfulness that helps them um, either with their performance or just in life in general, either that, whether that's being able to stay calm or just be able to recenter yourself and be back in the moment. Um, it's a very powerful tool that, again, we have neglected and, and perhaps we should actually do a full podcast on it at some point in the future. If that's something you'd like and you're listening, then, um, you know, drop a get in contact with us if you're a player. If not, we are working on something so that in the future you can get in contact with us and let us know about if you'd like to know anything more or if there's something that you'd like us to discuss on a one to one basis. But, yeah, does anyone want to quickly sort of discuss mindfulness? I mean, I can go. Um, I love mindfulness. I think what changed for me, because when a lot of people hear mindfulness, they think only about like meditation and sitting there for like 15, 20 minutes or even longer and just like doing absolutely nothing. And I I feel like that's a big misconception. 
and it's so much more it's like there's so many things that you can do to like practice being more present in the moment and it can be as simple as taking like four deep breaths to like sort of center yourself um and that for that's something that you can do like in everyday life but that's something that you could also do like during like an event like on the pitch or wherever like in a stressful situation um but yeah I just wanted to say that at the beginning yeah I think like you, you touched on Vicky I'm I'm relatively new to mindfulness um as I, I suppose a lot of people are but uh, I think this the stereotypical image that you think about is someone with their legs crossed and their hands like in the air like that um meditating uh which probably isn't the case for most uh and something that i've tried to incorporate into mine based on a lot of the mindful monday stuff that we've been doing is just breathing from like the stomach like when i'm in my like if i'm in my bed at night sometimes your mind's racing sometimes it just takes a few deep breaths and then i'll, I'll stop thinking about that and then i start feeling tired because uh, i'm feeling a bit more relaxed um so that's one thing i've incorporated into my sort of regime um beforehand i thought that um lou i don't know if you're involved in that mindfulness project we did at Stirling, where the expert came in we did it for one of our classmates sort of dissertation now so it was like six weeks and a mindfulness expert came in he had like the bowl and like all that yeah i wasn't in it but i remember it I remember yeah it. so it's amazing but because i just felt like so relaxed after every session and I always thought like oh, that's amazing I feel relaxed after these and I missed the point of it completely about it sort of being in the present moment I thought it was a relaxation method on its own but I think it's actually so much more than that it's about you know being in the present moment essentially isn't it if I'm grasping everything uh, with, correctly without being in the present moment without judgment I think that's yeah. the sort of definition of it yeah, so I would encourage anyone to investigate it a bit more. And even if you are using it at a basic level for like getting to sleep at night, like I basically do body scans. I think there's a few apps out there that are useful um, that you guys probably can talk about better than me. Yeah, uh, I've come at it from a slightly different angle. The number one thing that's helped me to be more mindful is meditating, and that's like the basic fact of it. Like. I've done it on and off for a few years and I think the the main thing that it's helped me with is is detaching from the thoughts that I have in my head so like I think people have a tendency to they have a thought in their head and they they get gripped by it and they get sort of obsessed with it um but meditating has helped me become more mindful and helped me recognize my own thoughts and that I can detach from those thoughts um so yeah that's that's i think meditating is the number one thing to to help you become more mindful and as vicky said it doesn't need to be 15 20 minutes every day it can be a lot of people start off with five minutes and then they build up from there obviously you want to try and do a bit longer because that will help you um but the like Brad said, there's apps for it. So there's like Headspace, Calm, uh, Balance, I think there's another one. So there's loads of different apps there that can help you as well become more mindful. And I think within those apps, there's not just meditations, there's like breathing exercises you can do where it's like, I think uh, like a, a circle that goes at, like bigger and smaller, like that sort of thing. So 
Yeah, yeah there's loads of other loads of stuff. What about for like people like me who I just always say I don't have I don't have time for like mindfulness or like um yeah, I don't know how to do it or anything like that or I don't know where to start or what what sort of tips would you sort of give? Because I suppose that is the case for a lot of people, or is, or else everyone would be meditating, right? Yeah, I I think my advice would be download one of those apps because there's a ridiculous amount of information there and there's loads and loads of different things you can do so there's like so within headspace for example there's like three minute exercises you can do there's even i think vicky there's like one or two minute exercises you can do as well so my advice would be get one of those apps and what what about like the time of day when when should someone do it do you think well me and Vicky differ here because I do mine in the morning and um, I think it just helps me be a bit more focused throughout the day. Mm. What, like after you've like showered in that? Because surely you would just fall back, I'd fall back asleep, no? No, well, uh, for me, as soon as I wake up, because that's when my mind's quietest. So that's when it's easiest to meditate. You're not um, thinking about what you've got to do next. Well, for mm. me, that's that's what helps helps me focus on like, the meditation and um, but I always, that doesn't always happen sometimes I wake up and I'm like right I, I want coffee and then I'll have the coffee and then I'll be buzzing for my meditation but like, <laughs> you know what I mean so I think if you're doing it early in the day as soon as you wake up it's most ideal but Vicky you, you do yours at night don't you yeah like at the moment or like for the past um, I don't know how many days like I usually use it to like fall asleep because my mind's racing during the like when yeah. I try to fall asleep but I also I used to do it in the morning when I actually had like a place to be like when I used to go to uni regularly and like had to leave my house and actually had like a proper morning routine I think that's what I'm missing <laughs> at the moment I would literally um, just like get up and I'd have like my mat out like I'd put it out the night before and then in the morning just like do like five minutes of stretching and like even just a minute or two of meditation depending on like how stressed I was to like leave the house and I think something else as well is like you don't like you should it would be good if you had like a routine with it but if you're just starting out and you have like a five minute coffee break somewhere during the day you can even just like download one of those apps and do like a one minute like meditation because it doesn't you I love the headspace ones because you don't have to like sit on the floor you can just that you'd be like standing up you can be lying down you can be like anywhere and they also have like meditation for like or not even just meditations like they do like mindful walking or like mindful cleaning so like they have so many guided versions that you can try and see what works for you because I'm like also very specific there's just certain voices when I hear them I'm like okay I cannot relax to this or we tried a meditation in class once during the master's and I was like, oh, imagine that you're at the beach and like imagine the calming waves and you hear the seagulls overhead. And as soon as I heard the seagulls, it was over for me. I lived in Aberdeen for four years. If you hear the seagull, you like you you walk away, yeah. you know. <laughs> so just see what works for you and do it whenever works for you as well. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tori, just quickly. I think I would maybe go more at nighttime. Like for me, when you're low, you're saying the morning. You're saying that's when your mind's quietest. I'm thinking that's surely the time I need mindfulness the least. 
I'll probably need it the most at the end of the day when my head's cluttered to ro- to to wind yeah. down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and see what Vicky said. It's like whatever works for you. Like I don't think I'd do it. I don't do it at night because I fall asleep really quickly. Like, I'll go to bed and I fall asleep within like two minutes. So probably don't feel the need to do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I think another good thing to talk about here when you said Brad like how do you when to do it is is yeah fitting it in with different hobbies and trying like double it up with other mm. things that have become habits so I'm yeah. thinking about if you're on the bus going to school or you're going to go to work or you're sitting in the car that's when perhaps you can put in the mindfulness but if you don't have time to do it in the morning or as Vicky was saying perhaps you're doing it when you're cleaning your room or perhaps you're starting to like run a bath or you're getting you're about to go in for a shower or something like that it's you know doing it in between other habits that you've got as well something like gym as well is probably like a good one I wouldn't say like you don't need to do it all in the middle of the gym floor but um stretching is a form of mindfulness yeah. I suppose uh you could probably incorporate that in there yeah that's great you all could right. definitely do it as a bit of like a cool down towards the end of a session yeah right? yeah exactly yeah, I was just going to say, or if you're like Louis and you can't like get on without your morning coffee, just do it while that's like running. So I will, the kettle's yeah. boiling. I may start doing that. <laughs> All right, so I think we've covered quite a few different skills there um, and we've discussed a lot of different topics that we've had throughout the podcast in the week. Um, so just as we look to wrap up and close off this podcast and wonder if anyone has got any sort of final thoughts here um, or if they're completely sort of burnt out no no I, I think the key message is that when we cover a topic it's never solely that topic alone it's interlinked with so many other things so it's important to be open-minded um when i suppose learning about some of these topics and trying to consider how other education points that we've touched on are linked to that as well because they are all interlinked and lastly i just i really enjoyed that sort of mindfulness uh, discussion at the end and that's helped me learn a lot more i know the mindful monday stuff has helped but hearing about your guys experience as well and i think that's one we should do like in full at some point mindfulness yeah yeah next one <laughs> um I I just say we've covered a lot of different topics in the program, and although they might not they might not appeal to everyone who listens, but we're just hoping that even like one or two different podcasts that we recorded on certain topics can help people. So like if you want to develop leadership skills or uh, communication, for example, like if they can help you at that time, then that's then that's ideal. So uh, we're just hoping that it's it's helped people sort of expand our knowledge and in, in sports psychology and and yeah hopefully it's helping yeah that's great i think as well what we've touched upon here by talking about the different skills how they can be implemented on different topics and stuff is sort of just remind everyone that they are all individually different one skill might work for you in one area but it doesn't mean it's going to work in another area um, and that's why we do try and cover lots of different skills that you can do on the different topics because okay for leadership you might you know goal setting might really work there or perhaps you need to 
maybe focus a little bit more on preparation instead um, and develop that skill when it comes to leadership as well. And um, But when it comes to um, perhaps doing transitions, maybe goal setting is, is worked for you there instead. Um, so it's reminding yourself that, you know, we are different, different skills work for different people in different ways. Um, so I just want to get that across at the end. I just want to say, because obviously we are very like sort of limited in what we can get across like in the Instagram pages, which is why we also now have the podcast. So that's a bit more in detail. But if you still have like any questions, that that's what we're here for as coaches. Like we can go a lot more in depth with you if you just ask us. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Well, thank you very much for today, guys. And I hope people that have been listening and have enjoyed the podcast. And please do join us again for the next one. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.